Sometimes I don't click that thing right. Sorry about that, Lane. Uh, good morning, man. I, today we're going to be wrapping up this uh, message series that we've been in for a few weeks. Uh, we called First Things First. And so if it's your first time worshiping with us, I know it is for some of you. Um, just know that uh, we've been in something talking about kind of our DNA as a church, what it is that drives us, what it is that helps us make decisions, uh, what is it that, um, that who we are as a church. And so uh, we're going to kind of wrap that up today. We've talked about the, our mission, the mission that fuels us. We talked about that, that, that thing that drives us. We talked about then uh, our strategy, what it means for you guys as members of Lindsay Lane East to take part in our mission. And then we talked about our discipleship pathway because we believe everybody's on a journey, right? Um, uh, every, every journey is a bunch, a bunch of steps and uh, everybody's somewhere on that journey. And so how, we talked about last week how we are set up to help every single person grow in their relationship with Christ. But today... We'll look a little bit different because what I want to do today is just kind of lay before you uh, three things that that I feel led and our, and our staff now feels led of the Lord for us to focus on for 2023. And um, and so I'm going to share those things with you today. What are the ways we want to see God grow us in 2023? So if you have a Bible, go on and open up to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we'll be. Open up, click there, whatever it works. So um, if you're not familiar with this, the book of Ephesians is actually a letter that was written almost 2,000 years ago by an ancient church planner uh, named Paul. And Paul traveled the known world uh, preaching the gospel and, and seeing people come into to small communities of faith that would grow and grow from there. And so um, Paul, one of the churches where he wrote these letters to uh, was a church in Ephesus and uh, Ephesus was a dark, a pretty dark place in the first century. But man, what better place, right, for a body of believers uh, to begin to grow in the midst of the darkness? And so uh, this is the letter that Paul wrote. If you're, again, if you're looking at your Bible from Romans all the way through to Philemon, all those are letters written by Paul. Super cool um, that we've still got those this many years later. That's awesome. Um, but I'm going to read beginning chapter 5, beginning in verse 15 and then read through 21. I'm going to read that. Uh, then I'm going to just kind of thank God for that text. And then we'll come back and walk through uh, a few things this morning, okay? So uh, beginning in verse 15, the word of the Lord says this. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Let's pray again to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this text, God. We thank you, God, uh, for Paul who penned the words, and God, we pray that today, God, just as it fell on ears eager to hear uh, 2,000 years ago, God, I pray that it falls on eager ears here uh, to, to hear your word and to be changed by it. So God, give us clarity of mind through your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I was praying through this text uh, earlier in the week. Um, it's just, it stuck out to me as something that, that I felt like God was leading us to walk through today because it contains so much of what it looks like for us as believers. Paul begins by saying what? Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Pay careful attention. 
to how you walk. Um, man, I grew up, uh, so I did have a birthday this past Thursday. Kenny is going to make an embarrassing mo- moment about that at the end of the service. Um, I won't steal any of his thunder, though. Uh, but I had a birthday, turned 36 this past week. And so when I was in youth group, which was like late 90s, you know, early 2000s kind of thing, that's when I was in youth group. And, uh, man, I feel like the the buzzword then was the Christian walk, like the walk, your walk with God. Like our youth pastor would ask me, how's your walk? Like if you're around my age, I see some of you nodding because you know what I'm talking about if you grew up in church. And so the idea of a Christian walk, this is where that's coming from. There are passages just like this one where Paul especially begins to talk about the idea of a walk, that our walk, our relationship with God is a walk. And I love that analogy. I love that analogy because um, it, it, a walk seems to be a long journey, right? We had a guy in our first service that ran a half marathon this past week in Mississippi. He said it was hilly. Why in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, would you run a half marathon over hills? I was like, downhill? Is that what you meant? Anyway, um, but like it's a, it's a walk, and so it's a journey. It, it's, some, it's putting one foot in front of the other. It's making little steps. None of us as Christians are going to get there overnight, but it's this walk, and I love that analogy. I love it. And so as Paul begins to talk about, pay careful attention to how you walk. I believe through the text, he shows three ways that we walk. Three ways that we walk. So if you're a note taker, um, jot them down. But the first thing Paul says, if we're going to walk well, we need to walk with urgency. And so for us as individuals and as a church, we need to walk with urgency. This is what Paul said at the very beginning. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. Right? So what Paul says, he says that there is a way to walk as Christians that's wise and there's a way to walk that's unwise. And he's saying to, to choose the wise path. But the, 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 one, the only thing right here in this part anyway that he gives us the way of what it means to walk as a wise Christian is to make the most of the time. Make the most of the time. Now I was, uh, when I was a kid, I can remember my dad telling me, son, when you get my age, Time's just going to fly by now. The older you get, the faster time seems to go. And my dad told me that. My mama told me that. My granddaddy told me that. My grandma told me that on both sides. My great-grandma and great-granddaddy told me that. And my great-great-grandmother, who I got to live like 102 years old. Just a fun story. She lived to be 102. Isn't that awesome? I got to know my great-great-grandmother. It was pretty cool. She was born in 1901. Crazy. Um, I'll never make it because sun drops are just too good. Bacon is too good, like all of that stuff. But anyway, um, I love, but I can remember being told over and over and over again that, man, time flies by. The older you get, the faster it goes. And I thought it was dumb. It was weird because time doesn't pass faster. That's like a scientific fact. It can't, time, it can't go faster. Um, but now that I'm older, I think it does. I don't know. I can't explain it uh, through physics. But what I can know is that, man, it, it seems to fly. High school went pretty quickly for me. Um, I only can remember taking about five classes in college, but they gave me a degree, so I know I had to take more than that. Um, and I remember getting married after I graduated, like a month after I graduated college, uh, to Kelly, and I remember that it was to her. Um, and now we have two children, and like I don't remember, that's it though. Like I don't remember anything else I feel like. There's little flashes of memory. And so, man, what we all as adults have made some sort of comment like that about how tough fast time seems to be flying. 
And it's not just a, coll- a colloquial, that word. It's not just a thing we say. It's a thing that like we experience. This is a real thing. And so here's what I know. Man, when I, when I begin to realize that time is passing me by and time is going fast, I have two responses. There's two ways that we respond to that. One way that people respond is some people slow down. Some people just start slowing down. They try to relax as much as they can. They go on long, just lazy vacations. Not the trips that most people take, but vacations where you just don't do anything. They spend time hanging around the house as a family or as friends from time to time, but not every weekend because that makes time go to You've got to spread it out. It takes some time. They also build things with their hands. They take up whittling. Whereas my papa used to say, whittling. My papa tried to teach me how to whittle. And I realized that it's not carving. That's two different things. Uh, he would hand me at seven years old a super sharp knife. And I would try to safely cut away from myself. But is that how you whittle? Anybody know? No. You pull it towards you. Super safe for a seven-year-old. And I stunk at it, and he would always take the cedar away from me after I ruined it. But, um, but like, that's what they do. They take, we, we, there's some people, right? And some of you are those kind of people. You recognize, man, time is passing me by, and I just want to slow down and enjoy it. And there's a lot, there's some seasons in our life as a family where that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to slow down and enjoy life, enjoy what's going on around us. I love piling up on the couch on a Friday night with the kids and doing nothing for like four to six hours. Like that's lazy in a lot of eyes, but I don't, just don't, don't tell me, don't, the house can be cleaned tomorrow. All that stuff can wait, right? Popcorn, that's all we got to have. But there's another kind of opposite response to that, right? Some people begin to realize that time is passing them by, so they want to cram as much as they can in. Right? Time's going by too fast. We've got we to gotta get this stuff done. And so some of you may resonate more with this. Time is short. We've got to hustle. Let's sign the kids up for five sports teams this summer. Let's take three vacations. Let's have an activity to do together as a family every night before bed. Let's go to the river every Saturday. Let's build our forever home at 30, even though we will probably live in three more homes before we die. Let's go on a road trip. Let's play a bunch of games. Let's buy new stuff. Let's eat at crazy restaurants. Let's go to a new museum. Let's go to the arcade. Let's go to ball practice, then to a game. Go on a trip, go buy a car, go do this, go do that, go, 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 right? And so there's two responses that we can make in the midst of this. Um, as bad as I hate to admit it, there are some seasons in my life that look more like that one. I get satisfaction from checking off those to-do boxes and accomplishing so much. And the question is, which of these is doing what Paul said, which was making the most of the time? Don't answer. Because, you know, every time a pastor asks a question, it's almost always a trick. And so a pastor asks you, which of these is right? Your answer is always, neither. Always, neither. Learn this, okay? It's always neither. He's always saying it's a balance. That's what's always coming next, okay? It's a balance, right? Because, because, the truth of God's word is somewhere between the lazy hound sitting on the couch and the hyperactive corgi that's running everywhere, right? Because God has called us to be active in this broken world. If Christians do nothing but be lazy and rest, the world will not hear, right? 
So there's certain amount of activity that we have to we have to be engaged in because the Spirit is calling us to these places. So we can't just sit at home without engaging others. However, if we stay so busy doing all these other things, we won't hear the voice of God as He speaks through His Spirit to do certain things. So the middle ground, there is middle ground, and I believe it's the biblical middle ground. And the only way we can strike a balance with anything in our lives, especially in this situation, is we've got to ask ourselves, what is essential? Right? If we're going to begin to talk about the way that we spend time, if we're going to make the most of the time, as Paul says, we've got to first ask the question, what is essential? What are the things that must have a place in my life? And then what are the things that I'd like to have a place in my life? And then what are the things that it's so stupid I do I need to get rid of? Why am I even doing those things? Man, in this increasingly fast-paced world we live in, I feel as your pastor a need in my own life to wrestle with this and to help us as a church wrestle with this. Because we can keep avoiding the rat race that we find ourselves in, or we can go to God's word and take time during 2023 to do it. And that's what we're going to do. Begin to ask God, how can we allow for the margin in our lives to be able to rest, but also be faithful to do the things you've called us to do? And so to put it into words, uh, one of our focuses for 2023, um, and again, we're going to focus on two priorities because we believe God's word says these two things are the most priority. And then after that, you've got to wrestle with what are those other priorities in your life. But to put into words, uh, one of our focuses for 2023 is going to be this, prioritizing Christ and his church. Prioritizing Christ and his church. Because God's word says this is what we are supposed to do. To make the most of the time is certainly has to involve prioritizing Christ and his church. And I've, had, I've, had, I've felt this struggle in my own life, and I, I know the struggle is real for a lot of you guys. This is an important thing for us to wrestle with. So this year, I'm going to be, I'm going to be walking through at least a couple of sermon series where we're going to be focusing directly on, we're going to talk about Sabbath. What does it mean to rest? That's Old Testament, Heath. We don't talk about Old Testament. Yeah, we do. Like, what does the Sabbath mean for us? What does it look like for a Christian to rest in the way that we're supposed to. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're also going to look at the book of Galatians because in Galatians you have a group of people who are doing the wrong thing, the right things for the wrong reasons. And so we're going to talk about as we're prioritizing our life, how we can develop right habits without becoming legalistic in our Christian walk. And so we're going to walk through those couple of things. Our student ministry and our kids ministry are going to be implementing teaching resources and, and reinforce this focus in their own ministries. And we're going to be looking as a church, as anytime we meet as a staff, we're going to have this priority before us to begin to ask the questions. As everything that we do and everything that we plan, let's make sure that our priorities line up with the overall mission that we're striving for. Because listen, if the time we have on earth is short, then as Paul said, we've got to walk with urgency, making the most of the time. And if we plan to walk with urgency, we've got to know what's most important so that we can cut the things from our lives so that we can focus on um, I've heard it said, uh, oh, man, that's a really good quote, and it wasn't in my notes, and now I'm thinking of it. Um, sugar pie. Anyway, I'll give you a summation, Heath version of it. Uh, the biggest obstacle to great is good, right? A lot of times we settle for good things in our life when God has great things. All the good things get in the way of focusing on that which is great and what God has actually called us to do. And so maybe I'll get that quote right by the next time we preach on it, okay? All right, 
Uh, let's go back to the text. The next thing Paul says, Paul says, walk with urgency. The next thing he says is walk with clarity. Walk with clarity. Uh, let me read Ephesians 7, 5, 17, 18 again. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, Paul uses a strong word here to describe someone who is not walking with clarity. And it's a word made famous by one of the A-team. Anybody grew up watching the A-team? Anybody love the A-team? A-team, A-team. Here's the deal. I'm, I was not a big A-team fan. I don't know. Like, I don't know why. Um, I was on the back end age-wise of the A-team, but still, um, just not a thing that I focused on. But I watched an interview with Mr. T uh, on the kind of the, I mean, it was way on the back end of his popularity, but that's a wild dude. Like, he has so much energy. Uh, he was on the Conan O'Brien show, which shows you how old the show, the, the interview I had was. But to watch that guy, it was pretty impressive. He's, there's a lot of energy in that guy. But what did he say? What was, what was the catchphrase? I pay the fool, right? I pay the fool. And I don't know, maybe that's not what Paul's saying, but what Paul is saying, right, is don't be foolish. What Paul is helping us see is that there, for a Christian, there is actually a real way to live foolish. Like, we're not immune to foolishness. Paul says, don't be foolish, but what? Understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. And then he keeps going on, and he keeps kind of painting this, don't be foolish, but understand this. And then he says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Don't be filled with worldly things. Be filled by the Spirit, right? And this is, this is a, another huge mistake we make in, our, make in our Christian walk. We don't have clarity of where we're going. We don't have clarity of that, and we live a foolish life. So we know some things about God. Yeah, we, know, we keep going to church, and, and maybe we're in a small group. But the question is that I believe what God's laying out for us as a church and, and even through the text is, are we intentionally learning deep things about God, about the God that we worship? Now, I've only been in, I've only had five jobs in my life. I think that's right, for the most part. Um, my first job, I was 16 years old, had a license. And I stocked a cooler at a gas station. The first time I did it, it took me 30 minutes. It's a big paycheck. To which the boss said, hey, slow down next time. So then I discovered that this is all for free. It's not in my notes. Um, a glass bottle Dr. Pepper while you're in the cooler is one of the most incredible things you'll ever experience. Um, and... Um, Anyway, I'm about to get emotional just thinking about it. But um, no, but so that was my. First, but then, then I worked. Uh, then I, I built cabinets uh, for a while while I was in, in college. And then uh, after I graduated college and was waiting on a full time ministry position, I did that full time uh, early on in our marriage. And uh, then I got served. I've got to serve at three different churches. And so I guess that's five. Um, and uh, only really in one of those situations have I had to have a new boss. Like, I don't know if there's anything more frightening and nerve-wracking for an employee, for a person, is to have a new boss come into your workplace, right? Like, you got used to, maybe the old one was there for 10, 12 years, and they retire, move off, or whatever. And the new boss is coming in to meet with you, and you have so many questions running through your mind, right? Um, you're, you're, it's nerve-wracking because you don't know them. You don't know what they like. You don't know what they don't like. You don't know what kind of worker they are. You don't know what kind of work they expect from you. All these things and a thousand others are running through your mind. 
because I want to throw out a, a statement to you to see if you agree with it. Because the better you get to know your boss, the better you can please him or her, correct? There's a few of you that agree. Awesome. Um, you can catch me at the door if you just, you know, we can talk about mine. All right. But I believe that's a true statement. The better you get to know your boss, the better you can please him or her. So if we all agree on that, and most of us did, then we can also, let's pull that in the spiritual world. The better I get to know my God, the better I can please him. Now, the problem is, is that we don't often intentionally grow in our understanding of who God is. We don't study his nature, his character, his attributes, his will, his desires, We don't dive into that, and often enough, on our own or in the church. Man, Patrick and I have both prayed something in this service and in the first service as well. But if you've been here a while, you hear it, and you probably don't even hear it anymore uh, because we say it so much. But if you're new, maybe it stuck out to you. We pray these two things. We say, God, teach us to know you. And then we ask, and be with us. Now, some of you that have been here uh, my entire time as pastor here um, probably don't remember. But January 5th of 2020, at a different table, put dead center of the stage over this, even though it rocked, which was a terrible spot for the table. But a brand new pastor came and stood right here behind this table and preached a message from Exodus chapter 33. And in that passage, we talked about Moses. And we talked about that, that Moses is a... Uh, I'm going to remove this. I'm stepping all over Patrick's... Uh, uh, what you got there? Pedal board. But we talked about Moses. And Moses, is, he's led the people out of Egypt. And, and he's, he's meeting with God on Mount Sinai. And, and Moses, the, this prayer, first prayed by Moses, is found in Exodus 33, 12 through 17. And that's summarized into my own words. But he's having this interaction with God. He knows that, that the, God wants the people to go into the promised land, but he knows like that he's new and he's nervous and he's, he has no idea what the future holds and he, the people are being dumb and he doesn't know exactly how to lead them best. And, and so he, come, he comes before the Lord and he prays two things. He says, God, teach us to know you and be with us. And Moses says that because Moses is saying, God, we don't want, we're not leaving the mountain until you teach us to know you and be with us. God, we can't leave this place. Without your presence, we can't go forward from here. And a 32-year-old scared-to-death pastor stood before you on January 5th, 2020 and preached that. And for the most part, every Sunday since, we've prayed, God, teach us to know you and be with us. And what we've seen God do is we've seen him do that very thing. And we're able to now, we feel like, move forward into plans for the future because we believe God is doing these very things among us. However, what I want to put before us as a church is to kind of re-up on that, to come before the Lord again in 2023 and say, God, one of our focuses for this year is going to be knowing God more fully. We want to ask God to do that because I believe a lot of people come to the Word of God and they think it's a manual for how life works best. They come to the Word of God and they think it says it's teaching them how to avoid stress and how to get out of difficult situations and what they should do and what they shouldn't do. Or they think it's a story about a crazy group of people in the Old Testament and how 
um, how God was gracious to them and, and uh, how they, they just kept messing up and messing up and messing up. And, and then about people in the New Testament that also keep messing up and messing up and messing up. Listen, the Word of God has much less to do with me and you. The, yes, it teaches us about life. It teaches us about the world. It teaches us about a lot of things. But primarily, this book has as its primary goal that you know God. And not just that he exists, but who he is, what he likes, what he desires, what his will is. These are the things that the word of God is primarily putting before us. And so we want to make a return to that in 2023, to begin to study God's word for those nuggets. We have several teaching environments that we're lining up for this year. We're going to be preaching through the attributes of God, talking about the characteristics of who God is and why those things are important for us and how those things have been seen throughout human history. You see, if we will focus our hearts and minds on knowing God more fully in 2023, I believe we'll be able to walk with more clarity. As Paul says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Walk with clarity. Because knowing God means bringing him clarity. And so ask yourself, even though it's first two, like, are our priorities out of whack? Are yours as an individual, are your priorities out of whack? Are you walking with clarity? Or are you walking as a fool in this life? The last thing that Paul says, though, and I love what Paul, how Paul ends. He says, to walk as a wise person is to walk with family. To walk with family. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Right, so Paul focuses here on the importance of the church. It's important that we spend time together encouraging one another, singing, praying. All these things are here. Really what Paul's saying is fellowship together. Now, I do want to make it clear, though, because we talk about a lot here, context matters. And if we just... Like, we just take a verse and we just read it and go, oh, I know what Paul means. And we don't think about it and kind of apply it to everything else that the Bible says. We will come to a weird place as a church. Okay? So in verse 19, Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now I'm just going to ask you a question. What would it look like for us as a church if we had a rule that you could only speak to one another at church by using lyrics from worship songs? Now that would be a fun experiment, wouldn't it? Some of y'all are like, oh, can we do ACDC too? Like, I don't, um, but like, that would be an, it, it looks, it would, it would look more like a, uh, oh, the old show, uh, hold on. What's the show? Whose line is it anyway? That's what I think about. It was, it looked like a game from Whose Line Is it Anyway. But what, that's not what Paul's saying, right? Paul's not, we would be, we would be a weird church if that's what we did. What I think Paul is saying, it seems clear is that we need to be speaking to one another in such a way that is edifying to the body. We need to speak words of encouragement to those that need lifting up. We need to speak words of wisdom to those who are facing difficult decisions. And we need to speak words of challenge to those who are living in sin. God, Guys, this is what it looks like to be the church. Like anything less is just a cute club with bills to pay. Like that's who we are. So this is why church family is important. And I'll also say on the other side of that coin, one of the reasons 
that God brought me here and one of the reasons why I want to stay here for a long time is because y'all know how to have fun too. Because I've been in churches that did these things right. They spoke words of encouragement and they spoke words of wisdom and they spoke words of challenge. And they were good churches. I'm not taking anything away from that. But they didn't have enough fun. (laughs) And it wasn't fun to be there. And so that's one of the things I love about Lindsay Lane East and we're going to fight for that environment. We want want this to be, yes, a place where all these things happen. But it's also a place where we can be honest and we can be real with one another. That's why church family is important. And as a relatively small church that has to do two services because we don't have space, this can be a really challenging thing. Honest time, okay? Fellowshipping with one another can be really hard because of how, how we're having to, 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 to meet together right now. But we believe that with God's help, we can continue to grow in the area of fellowship and continue to be a healthier church. Now, I say all that to say that's not going to be a focus for 2023 because it's never left our focus as, in our hearts as a staff and especially mine as the pastor. That's something that's always in our hearts and minds. But I want to I want to look at verse 20 because Paul speaks directly toward the third focus for our year in 2023. But um, remember the context of it. Verse 19 is there's a one another in there, right? Like there's a, we're speaking to one another. Paul's talking about the gathering of the church. And he says this, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always always for everything. Like Paul's making it clear. I ain't talking about throwing a prayer up every once in a while. I'm not talking about the little prayers that you pray before your meals. Funny story there. Um, I have, uh, um, there's a joke. There was a joke in my family for a while when I would go to pray before our meal. Like I would pray all these things over my children and I'd pray over my wife because I'm trying to, trying to pray intentionally. Like now I just got to think of this food. Amen. But I kept forgetting the, thank you, like, the blessing over the food. So there became this thing where, where I would pray, and at the end I would say, amen. Oh, and God, thank you for this food. Amen. And then, so Elsa Jo would start praying, and she would pray the same way. She'd pray, so passionate. She's got that little, that little loving heart, and she would pray for all of us, and then she would say amen, and we would go, and thank you for this food. Amen. And so then Daniel, my youngest, um, he, would, he began to pray that way. He would pray for all of us and actually say thank you for this food. Amen. And thank you for this food. Amen. Because you just thought that was how we did it. Um, so that's the kind of discipleship that's going on in our homes. Um, so we don't get it right all the time. But what Paul is saying here, he's not talking about just, hey, just throw up some little prayer. He's saying give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, listen, church, this may be the most important focus for us going into 2023. It's, it's not my strongest discipline. Can I be honest? I hope you expect, I hope you're okay with that. Prayer is not my strongest discipline. It's something I need to grow in. And I know through conversations with a lot of you, our leaders, is that this is something that we can all grow in. We need to do this more together, and we need to do this more individually. So this is how I'm wording our focus for 2023, praying more regularly and passionately. So here's the thing, man. God's Word lays out that prayer is the biggest tool that we have in our resources. 
of all the things that God gives us, this is the one that can have the largest impact. And yet, most Christians do not utilize that tool at all, if, or very little, if any. So we as a church, we, we, want, we want to begin to integrate more prayer into what we do, into our worship services on Sunday morning, in our small groups on Wednesday nights. Uh, God's, God's laid on my heart. I, one of my weaknesses is to pray for other people. I love praying for other people. Some of you tell me about needs in your life. It's awesome. Those prayer cards, those uh, connect cards in the back of the seat, fill those out, drop them in the blue bucket or drop them by next steps. Put your prayer requests on there. Let us know. However, one of the things I don't do often is get honest before the Lord about my own heart. Amen. I'm the only one. Somebody else. Thank you. Thank you. Like I, there we go. I, I am. Like that's a hard thing for me. And this week I was talking with a 10-year-old girl, a 10-year-old girl who just lost one of her best friends in the world. 10-year-old boy just died. Now, what I asked her when I met with her was, what emotions are you going through right now? And she said, sad. I said, got it. I, I, I see that, right? I know that. So we talked about that. I talked about Jesus there with Lazarus, right? Seeing the emotion of the, the family. as If you don't know that story, it's a really cool one. But Jesus even weeps for a family. Like, it's okay to be sad. And I asked her, I said, have you been mad? And she looked at me because I'm the pastor. And she knows she's not supposed to be mad at God because she's been raised well. So she said, no. And I said, well, just know that if you wake up feeling mad one day at God or at the situation or at the world, it's okay, right? It's okay. And I told her, I said, just let your mom know how you're feeling so that she can know and she can be praying for you. And like what I was trying to teach her in that moment is something that 36 years of life has not taught me. And that is that I need to be honest with God. I can come in and I can, I can pray like a pastor and I can pray like a good Christian, but, if I'm, but that's not what we see in the book of Psalms. Open up the book. David's going, God, there's a, so you told me I was going to be king and there's a dude chasing me trying to kill me. Yeah, sounds like a great plan, God. That's essentially what David is saying. Where are you, God? Where? And like, and like David is honest before the Lord in that way. And we feel bad about being so honest with God. And so we're going to walk through the Psalms. Not everyone. We're going to walk through some important Psalms as a church in 2023 and look at how, what kind of honesty do we need to have before the Lord. I've got a buddy who does a, like a prayer workshop thing. It's really, really cool. And I can't wait for you guys to, to, to meet Drew and for him to come and lead us through that. And we're working on doing like some home in-home prayer groups uh, through the year. And we're going to have that. We'll tell you more about that, but sharing a meal as a group, kind of some regional homes and, and praying together. It's going to be really, really cool. But all of this focus, all of this focus, all, all, all three of these things, right? All three of these things, the priorities, prioritizing Christ and his church, praying more regularly and passionately and knowing God more fully. These three things that we're, we're putting before us as a church, 
are hopefully not going to be the only ways we, they're not going to be the only things we talk about, and we hope they're not the only ways that we grow. But if we can get to Christmas time, 2023, and look back on the year and go, dude, we can see significant growth in my own life and the life of our church. In these three areas, you will hear, you will have a pastor who will stand up in front of you, jump in the air, and yell hallelujah, right? Like that's, if we, if we can grow in these three areas, that'd be super cool. I love that. It's what God's laid on our heart. But Paul ends this. Paul's been walking through this really cool stream of thought, all this stuff, to get to verse 21. Remember, it's in the context of family. He's touched on several things, but this is where he ends, and it's where I want to end. Verse 21. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, here's what I know. We don't like to talk about giving up. We don't like to talk about submitting to anyone else. Because we're Americans. We don't give up. We never quit, right? But listen, God's word is very clear for us as individuals that there are there are, 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 are people and institutions and things we need to submit to. Submission is, is a call to the Christian. And here in verse 21, he says, Submit to one another in the fear of Christ. What does that mean? It's commitment. That's what it is. It's commitment. To submit to one another is to commit to one another. Now listen, I've just laid out three things that I think are really cool, and I'm committing before you, like I'm submitting myself to the church to say if at December 2023, if I haven't grown in one of these three areas, then tell me. Actually, tell me before then that I'm not growing. That way I can work on it. Like I'm submitting that before you guys. But listen, if, even if, if me and my family commit to these three things, our church won't be much different. But if all of us together, right? Like these are just three things that look pretty on the screen, unless they're things that we all buy into. If we all commit, all of you who call Lindsay Lane East home, if we'll commit to these three things, then something really, really cool will happen. We'll be setting ourselves up well to be led by the Lord, to be faithful to Him. I could ask a lot. Um, what does it mean to be a member of the church? Right, so Kenny just walked through East 101, which is our membership uh, kind of course, and he did that uh, last week or two weeks ago. And uh, that's a really, really cool thing that we do here. Just helps people learn about our church before they join. And and uh, and people say, well, what's the difference? Why should I join Lindsay Lane East? And here's, here's what I'll tell you. Um, to come and to worship with us, you don't have to be a member. Come and worship, hear the word of the Lord, uh, uh, worship with us through song. We also encourage some of you, some of you aren't members yet. We say, we say, hey, get in a group because community and discipleship are so important in your life and they're intertwined. For you to be truly discipled by Jesus Christ, you're going to have to be discipled around other people. So you need to be in a group. And so you don't have to be a member of our church to join one of our small groups on Sunday or Wednesday. And we're one of those crazy churches where we'll actually let you serve in some ways without being a member of our church. There's some cool things that we can help you do. You can begin to serve the Lord. Use your gifts right here at Lindsay Lane East, even before you join our church family. So what's the difference? I can gather, I can group, and I can move. Isn't that what you said membership was two weeks ago? Here's the catch. Submitting to one another 
and the fear of Christ. See, the difference is, is when you stand, when you, when you come to East 101 and you go through the process of joining our church, you're saying, I'm committing to what this church is about and to being a part of it. And what that brings with it, what that brings, you're submitting yourself to the church, not to the leadership of the church, to the church, to the people. This means you're giving people the right to speak into your life when it needs spoken into means you're committing yourself to helping us accomplish the mission. You're devoting your life to helping us disciple our young kids and our teens and our adults. Even if you're not in a teaching ministry, we are in this together. It means you're going to be a part of this family and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to hold others accountable. You're going to bring encouragement when people need it. You're going to bring that wisdom when people need it. And you're going to get that in return. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. This is what church member and church membership matters here to us. And so if you're not a member, just so you know, that's kind of like how it looks, okay? So just a heads up on the front end. Some of you uh, are members. Like, this is what you signed up for. <laughs> this is what you're committed to, is to be a part of this and, and to join in arm in arm with us and accomplish this mission together. So just be reminded of that today, and let's do this thing. Let's, let's put these, these, these focuses before us, and let's get after it in 2023. Church membership matters. But here's the deal. If uh, the way Paul ends this, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And man, when Paul says fear, uh, I hate scary movies. Can I be honest with you? I tried to like them when I was in high school, and they're just awful. And I don't know why some of you like them, because I don't like to be scared. Uh, I don't, like for, don't even jump out behind a door and scare me. Like, I don't want that. But whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're not to live in fear of Christ, to hide from him or to be afraid of him. We're to fear him in the way to know that he is so much greater and so much bigger than us and, and that he loves us even in spite of that, even in the midst of our sin. It's, it's a reverence. It's an awe. It's, it's recognizing that Christ has given us things that we don't deserve. All of that is in the fear. So submitting to one another in this idea that Christ has saved all of us. Listen, church, uh, today, man, I don't know what brought you here. Some of you come week in and week out. Some of you, maybe it's your first time worshiping with us. But I just got to ask you a question, right? Because all of this, uh, taking part in all of this, living this life in the way that Paul says will be impossible without the fear of Christ. And so my first question to you, uh, I try to ask every week, is if you've not yet trusted in the name of Jesus to save you, that's where all this starts. Um, if you've never trusted in Jesus to save you, man, on Sunday night, I got to talk with my seven-year-old boy. Um, and you may say, seven, that's pretty young, Heath. I'm telling you. Uh, it was cool. Not a sad thing, but it's been an emotional day. Uh, but my seven-year-old son trusted in Jesus this Sunday night. And it was really, really cool. What was even cooler is I got to kneel by his bed and talk with him about that, just as my dad had done with me 28 years ago. Really, really cool moment. Except I was in a waterbed, and those don't exist anymore. And so, but I got to lead my son to Christ. And now here's the thing. He's seven years old, and you're like, man, I'm a lot older than seven, Heath. The process is the same, church. The 
process the same, folks. You still recognize you're a sinner and trust that Jesus is the only one who can bring your relationship back to God. The sin that separates you from God, Jesus died for and brought you back to him. I would love to share more with you, just as I did my son on Sunday night about how you can trust in Jesus. Um, we're going to sing one more song. Patrick, the worship team, are going to come on up. I'm going to be at the back. Um, if you need to come talk to me about salvation to, to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'd love to talk with you about that. Um, if you need to just pray right where you are, if you're a member of Lindsay Lane East, I ask you to pray during this song. Don't just sing the whole time. Take a moment to pray and ask God to accomplish these focuses in our hearts and minds in 2023. And uh, ask God to do something big that only he can get credit for this year. And uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer. You can respond by praying or, or singing or even come up and praying at this altar for yourself or other people. Only thing that's different up here, no magic, nothing up here, except people pray for you as well who see you come up. And so I'm going to voice a prayer, and then uh, we'll stand and we'll respond however God leads. Father God, we thank you.